Let's kick it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's Griff. He's back with another episode of the Beer Engine podcast. You, you guys are you guys are tucked in your little beds on a on a Wednesday evening and just dreaming. Thursday morning, the little podcast is going to be out again. I can't wait, and it's going to be Griff, and he's going to say something nice to me. No, I am not going to say anything nice. Instead, I'm going to. Bring in my colleague. He will definitely not say anything nice. Uh, it is the man himself. He is uh, one of the co-founders of, along with Barry Weiss and uh, Steven Pinker and a whole lot of other people who have been to the pedophile island, uh, one of the founders of the University of Austin. It is Tony. Tony, congrats on the new university, unaccredited university. Well, I just want to say that no matter how bad we are, we we still have a mountain to climb to reach the greatest unaccredited university of them all, which is PragerU. PragerU, yeah. I think this could become a PragerU type outfit. Um, I'm trying to figure out what they're trying to get at. Uh, I think it's, I think it's something along the lines of a, um, like, it, like if it, what would be successful for them? Is it if they have a real life like master's program and a real life university, or are they going to claim success if they have like three courses on Coursera? Because I think that's the more likely outcome. Is they have like three things on Coursera? It's it's just a different guy, like a Glenn Greenwald type, doing a different rant about how he's mad that he got canceled. Um, and then that's really just like it, right? Isn't that what it is? Isn't that what this is going to be? Well, any time you uh, sort of stick your mask head into being an anti anti censorship university, you've got mm-hmm. no real core values. Like, I think three is high on Coursera. I think if they get one course on Coursera, and it's going to be sure. something about woke culture, and you're right that <laughs> the whole turn of Glenn, Glenn Greenwald and to the same extent almost, but different platform, um, Jimmy Dore has been amazing to watch sure. the um, the grift to the right, um, which oh, yeah. is um, which just shows they don't have the talent to hang it with the guys on the left. And, well, maybe those on the right are right, that the left have no sense of humour, that everything funny comes from the right, so therefore Jimmy Dore has to go to his funny people. I love that Gordon G is part of it. Who was um, who's the president of the of West Virginia University, um, and uh, he had to like within the first hour of the college existing had to be like, oh, actually, I don't actually agree with everything that the fucking loser who made some statement about colleges aren't doing truth anymore, because he is actively the president of a major state university. Um, which I guess is bad if you if you, if somehow that comes out that they that's something you believe in. So very funny. He's kind of a dipshit. Uh, he was the president of Brown or something for a while too. Not Brown. You can just see Lisa saying not Brown <laughs> right now, but that's okay. So yeah, Posters University. I think that's what they're going to be is Posters University. Um, if you guys like posting, if you want to get your degree in posting, 
uh, I would check out University of Austin. Um, now, now, if we're going to cool. get degrees in posting, what would your specialty be? Like, you, what would you major in in posting? Because you're not a shit poster. That's that's not really your move. What are you majoring in in stirring? Because you do like an occasional barb. There is some good sarcasm with you, but you're not an out and out shit poster. So you wouldn't major in shit posting. Yeah, you know, I'd really like to be more of a. Um, uh, if you guys are familiar with like the 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 fellows like uh, at boring is heck, uh, Stefan Heck or uh, Jesse Farrar, Bronze Hammer, just like occasional poster. You post like four to five times a week, and you really you really like go for it with something really funny or very stupid or very silly. Um, or very sarcastic. I think that would be good. If I could have anything half as funny as the as uh, Stefan Heck's uh, tarot card post, I think that's an all-time <laughs> post where it was like the guy, uh, the tarot card reader turns over the card and it's a man falling out of an airplane and looks at me and I ask, is that good? <laughs> it's like I think it's a guy who looks exactly like me falling out of an airplane and I look at her and say, is that good? Um, I think that's, I think, I think if I could create any posts like that, I would love to do that. But so whatever that is, is like perfecting the art of posting, maybe, yep. um, sort of a, uh, something like that, right? I don't want to be, I can't be the guy who's posting 25 times a day. I don't, that's no. not, I can't handle that. You, you can't do the, um, where you basically uh, post everything, including your bowel movements online I, and. I can't bear. I can't hardly post when we release an episode. Posting when we release an episode is like I wake up in the morning thinking about how arduous it's about to be to post our episode. I'm like, oh, what do I do now? I I can't think of anything funny to write. I can't find a funny picture. I usually can, but it's just I. It just feels like it's going to be the hardest possible thing to do. Now, for me, I would. I'm. I'm sort of. I would major in celebrity. Okay, so not not A grade celebrity, not B grade celebrity. NBA beat writer reply replying to my posts. That's all I want on Twitter. You you want Zach Lowe to reply to your post. You want uh, I could retire from my online life at that point if yeah. Zach Lowe ever responds to my tweet. My greatest yeah. um, famous person tweet, of course, Bob Seger when I was playing some Bob Seger vinyl. I I mentioned to Bob on Twitter that I was I was spinning his record. He retweeted it. Well, actually, he quote tweeted it. So that mm, is even better. That is my highlight of, of posting online. And I I think I think I should uh, actually think about a professorship um, at um, oh yeah at the University of Austin at Posters University. Yeah, you and Steven Pinker can uh, can nod nod at each other in the hallways. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, I, I was, um, I think my best online posting is only when Ed Zitron likes my shit and he's not even famous. So I sort of like when I, I sort of like him, he's just some guy who runs a PR firm and I just think he's funny. So I follow him. So I'm always like, Oh, he thought my post was, uh, at least relevant. That's cool. Um, <laughs> high five to myself. Uh, Tony, speaking of having to wake up, oh, <laughs> something just came across the wire here, Tony. I'm just seeing this cross my my uh, my eyes across the the desk here in the, on the newsroom, the the Beer Engine Podcast newsroom. Uh, 
Tony says Big Bird. So, Tony, what do you think of um, the communist Big Bird? Tell us about oh. your feelings on communist Big Bird. I don't um, get where um, somebody who was formerly on a public broadcaster and now I think he's on HBO is now communist. Isn't that a move towards um, the free market rather than actual communism? You might not agree with the message. You're just trying to cancel him. That's cancer culture. Eric Boland, I'm looking at you. Tucker Carlson, I'm looking at you. Anybody on Fox, I'm looking at you. The Big Bird is actually the antithesis of a communist, surely. I'm arguing, yeah. Well, you got to think about arguing with a puppet is one thing you got to consider. Yes, uh, but... How many pu- now, who's your, favorite, who's your favorite debating puppet? All right, you got Big Bird. You got uh, Pinocchio. You got Gabbo. You know, all your favorite art, like dip, uh, puppets you could yell at. You do, but you've also got those that are in more human skin. Uh, formerly Larry King, um, yeah. no longer alive. Donald, Donald Trump, <laughs> Joe Biden, kind of a puppet himself, yeah. Yeah, really, really um, not looking good for Joe. He, he's Mm-mm. not as offensive as, say, Donald Trump, but barely alive. Mm-mm. Not inspiring a lot of confidence, yeah. unlike Big Bird, who I think has inspired a lot of confidence, and, and that's President the anti-vaxxers. I, for one, would um, wholeheartedly uh, support that. The only problem is Big Bird is six, and you need to be 35 to be an American president. So That's right, yeah. Do we know the um, age of Big. all the Muppets? I know Elmo's like three. Surely there's got to be Do an I know the age... Do I know the age of the Muppets? Big Bird's been, I mean, I know, I know that the Sesame Street guys are uh, Bart, kind of Bart Simpson-like in that they don't age. I mean, Big Bird has been around for 40 years, um, 50 years maybe. Uh, so you got to give him that. But no, I don't know the age of, of say, Count the Count. I almost said Count Dracula, who I believe the real Count Dracula is somewhere in the... In his in his uh, thousands of years old. Yeah, so maybe. Although he's from Transylvania, so he. Oh, you're talking about the real one. You're not talking about Count from Sesame Street. The Count, the Count, the Counting Count, who may also be a thousand years old. I mean, if you watch what we do in the shadows, you know, you'll see some of these guys are, are 80, 90, Some of these guys are three hundred, four hundred, and some of these guys are eight hundred, a thousand years old. I mean, Nandor is eight hundred. 800 some years old, I believe. So these guys are pretty old and, and maybe the sire, he might even be like 2000 years old. These, these old ass some bitches. I mean, these guys live forever. So the count could easily be, you know, you know, it'd be funny if the count were just, they, they should bring the count on what we do in the shadows and you just drain somebody. I think that'd be really funny. That would be good. He just attacks, attacks <laughs> some fucking teenager or something. <laughs> pretty good. Um, Tony, so Big Bird, Big Bird is canceled. You're right. Uh, Ted Cruz canceled him. I Thank forgot you, Ted. That, Thank you. that Ted you Wood was, Ted. was the uh, first one to cancel him. That's how much I think of Ted Wood. He's one of the dullest human beings out there. When you have the personality yeah. of like a Matt Gates, but without the um, overt criminality when it comes to mm. sexual adventures, um, you're a terrible human being. When, when Ted looks at that basketball ring, you know, he's 
You remember that? Do you remember that when he did the basketball ring bit? He didn't mean to. He just couldn't come up with the term hoop, so he said <laughs> basketball ring. It was really funny. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, Tony, it's it's one of our favorite times of the year, us being part of the, the This Ain't Iowa sort of podcast universe. Yep, extended uh, mega, family. We'll call, it a me, we'll call it a megaverse. We're sort of in the Marvel-type megaverse of TAI. Um, it's daylight savings time. We all honor our Lord and Savior, Brian Malika, his, his true disdain for daylight savings. Um, and wouldn't you know it, Tony, I was hanging out with, with the, uh, the legend himself on Saturday night uh, before the end. As, as we approach the end of daylight savings time, uh, we, were, we, were spending some, we were spending an evening out. Brian, myself, and our lovely um, wives. And uh, uh, wouldn't you believe it, Tony, uh, on, a, on, on the end day of daylight savings time, and I know Brian hates it, so maybe the end was a good day for him. Uh, Brian had a, and myself, had quite the run at the blackjack table at the M. So you got to give it up for that. Now, do you think your run at the blackjack table had something to do with the fact that you're about to change time zones and Dude, this I was think karma. It had something to do with, with sort of the, the earth falling back into its nor you know, our portion of the earth falling back into the normal time sequence of time as decided by the, you know, the gods and so on or whatever. Well, um, this is my point. It wasn't the gods. It was English who decided this. They picked a meridian that they chose uh, at their... Lousy farmers. Which got nothing to do with farmers. This this goes back to, to a construct that the English um, chose and that other countries chose different meridians, but eventually the British one got um, picked and it was basically mm. used for time... for train timetables. Time is such a construct. I don't understand wow. having trouble waking up with the clock changed for one hour twice a year. That's when you have the issue, twice a year. That's all we're talking about. Once you'd have that first day of either going into daylight savings or coming out of daylight savings, problem fucking solved as far as I'm concerned. Well, I got to say this year we really had no trouble um, because we went back here at, at this time of year. That's the best time is when you go back. So we got the extra hour, which was nifty because we did stay up till – uh, quite late in into the evening, Tony. Uh, uh, especially very funny because we had dinner. At a, we we had the old person dinner at five fifteen p.m. that night. <laughs> Where we, did you have we it? Were, we were it? trying to go to a very specific restaurant, and of course, with this crew, really making a decision well in advance is not really an option. Um, so um, we sort of made that decision late. Uh, we were able to get in at 5.15. I, you won't believe it, Tony, but Brian did call on the phone to, um, like a psychopath, like a real fucking lunatic, called the restaurant on the phone to get this re reservation made. And we went to a place called Edo, E-D-O, um, which was a lovely tapas restaurant um, with a tasting menu that was only $65. That was absolutely killer. ton of really unique kind of slightly molecular gastronomical style dishes, including a dill macaron with tuna tartare in the middle. 
um, or like a actually it wasn't tuna tartare. It was more like a tuna sashimi slice in the middle. It was killer. Great dish. Ton of nice dishes. Pork cheek in there. Some some squash blossom stuffed with um, uh, like a short rib bolognese. It was really killer stuff. Great place. Good cocktails. Loved it. Now, so we did that very early. You didn't add any of the supplements, the risotto or the caviar and eggs? I love how you found it that quickly, but we did add the caviar and eggs. I didn't do the risotto because I wanted the um, I wanted the other dish that was the, the squash, squash blossom. I wanted yep. the squash blossom. We did add the caviar. It was nice. it came in a little egg shell and it had a, this batarga foam. It was I think that was the espuma. Yep. And it had a nice like splap of a uh, of caviar right on top. And it, it was really good. It ate really well. It was very light tasting with a very but a very heavy savory flavor. So um really nice balance on that. I really enjoyed that. Was so that the that. standout yeah. course or was it the bluefin tuna or what were you? I think the so I loved the little um they were like macarons. I don't know if you see that on there. It's the bluefin probably like um with dill cookies or crackers or something. I don't know. That thing was good, whatever that was called. Um is that not on there? I wasn't really looking at the menu. It just no. came out with there's a little macaron, looks like a little sandwich macaron with yep. a piece of tuna in the middle and it was oh, green. That's, and it was, that's the um the cured salmon and dill macaron. Oh it was macaron, salmon, sorry. Yep. And mustard sauce. It was fucking crazy. And um I did really enjoy the final course, the pork cheek um, with with the red curry. Yep. And, yeah, you know why. There is a bunch of coconut milk in that red curry. Come on. Oh, you know it. All right. <laughs> but uh, it, it reminded me. We had, it had lime, a lot of lime in there, too. And it reminded me of the short rib. I know it's pork cheek. It's not short rib. But it did remind me of the short rib cow soy from uh, Lo- Lotus of Siam, which is a great dish, too. It had this this kind of bright, slightly spicy red curry and this very rich meat and then the citrus flavor. Really good. Great meal. So everything went great there. Um, now, did you do any sharing? Because that's a oh, traditional thing to do with so, tapas. Kind of. You you sort of get the right amount of everything for four people. So you are sharing. Um, the waiters really couldn't oh. decide who was sharing what. So frankly, they were, they were more accurate when they put it in between Brian and I to share a dish, um, than between Kelly and I sitting across from each other Because not only was it easier, but it just made more sense. Really. We were really the ones on a date, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. This was an accent problem. I didn't say sharing. I said sherry as in the, um, Spanish Drinking sherry. Yes. Spanish no, we beverage. drank, uh, we drank some cocktails. We drank gin and tonics. That's a popular thing in Spain too. We drank gin and tonics. Yep. Um, okay. and then, um, uh, Jameson enjoyed some, uh, sangria and in fact did buy an entire carafe of sangria, which we did share. I wanted to be clear. We did share the carafe of sangria, but we also did all start with gin and tonics <laughs> too. So it was, it was a, it was a trip. Um, but it was a lovely evening. We went to the sand dollar, a classic Vegas place, live blues, little dive bar with live blues. That's in on the road where there's a bunch of like where the spearmint rhino is pretty much, but had a nice time there. Uh, Jameson hit a little, uh, victory on video blackjack there. That was good. Had a nice run. 
And then we took the party down to the M, uh, now, down way south, and had ourselves a nice blackjack run at the table. Is the Sound Dollar Lounge, is that the same one that John Taffer rescued on Bar Rescue? He supposedly rescued it. He did not rescue it. He ruined it. And then it was this, it just got reopened as what it was, where it's much better. So John Taffer essentially failed miserably, created a shitty bar, and then the old shitty dive bar opened up and has been pretty successful since. Excellent. Now, I'm John Taffer is fan. a horrible, he is terrible at this. He's awful at it. I know. He's a t- and he's a terrible human being. We, we played. Right. Or we we mentioned about that um, that quote mm-hmm. that he had on Fox News. Terrible human being. I still love that show for whatever reason. Maybe it's like oh, yeah, my it's version of um, Housewives, but I, I love sure. Bar Rescue. Terrible human being. Terrible at rescuing bars, but love the show. Yeah, he's not good at it. But, yeah, we did go. That was the place. Um, they had a lot of nice beer on draft, too. Um, had a fun cocktail. The bartender was wearing a Black Project shirt from Black Project in Colorado, and I recognized it, and he's like, you're the first person who ever recognized my shirt. And I'm like, not making me feel great. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, then we went to the M, and we, we had some success gambling. I, I would guess, if I, had to, if I had to guess, I think Brian might have cleared four or $500 of wow. at the blackjack table. Yeah. A but- truly so – I, I was at 225 I did, like, 225 250 then this lady sitting by us who uh, made friends with everybody who is from the Chicago area may, I, I mean, she had a stack of green chips. I think she made like 800 or 900 bucks at the, at this $15 table. Just um, on a hot run, were you? Or you anyway, were- we all went out. We all went on a run for a while. We all went on a tear. I got off to a horrible start. Horrible. First thing that had like third, third hand, I get fours. And against like a three or something. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll split these. And uh, and then both hands you know, are whatever. And then she turns over like a five card 21. <sighs> and uh, so I, 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 and then another, so I had, no, it was two fours. And then I got a seven on one of them. So I doubled on that one. So I have 40, 50 bucks on the table at this point. And I'm like, yeah, here we go. And then I just blast, <laughs> got blasted on all three of them. And I'm like, Bro, I'm going to have to go to the ATM already. This is great. But I uh, ended up being able to manifest it back together. It was it, we, we managed to hold it together. It was good for everybody. We did good. Yeah. Um, so a nice time. Stayed up late. But guess what? We got that hour back. And um, we still felt bad. But at least we got the hour back. So at least we had that going for us. Um, successful evening, we'll say. Um, all right, Tony. Why don't we crack into the show into the actual show segments of the show and why don't we go through and play around in our discord channel all right tony a lot of activity this week in the discord um here's some of my favorites number one uh our friend grammar purist uh who gave his sexy bartender the credit card and told her to surprise me all night uh, and then, of course, did not get us any sort of photo of the sexy bartender. I mean, if you're, I mean, I'm not, t- I, maybe that's being a full on creep, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you're heading into Austin University territory right there. That is kind of creepy. But- and this, and here, and we got a fellow here who, who could, you know, take on a gig at, say that, with a real, you know, he's, he's, no, he's a he's real college, overly qualified uh, instructor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know. It depends on how much of the qualifications are getting on the plane to Little St. James Island, but um, I don't think he's done that. Um, but that was good. So I posted, uh, I did post up these pictures of this Goose Island food. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, Tony. I, I, I would love if our friend Cascade Dank could find this Goose Island food in England. This is apparently from England. I believe that's the pound symbol, right? I, I believe so. I, I was thinking it was at your local um, Trader Joe's, but yeah, it wasn't until... No, I would love if it were. I would love to try this. Um, but we got some Goose Island food. So Goose Island has become TGI Fridays uh, there somehow. So you got some Goose Island fully loaded fries, some Goose Island mac and cheese bites. These look like little fried mac and cheese nuggets. And then we got it. This is an English classic here, these halloumi fries. We got some crispy halloumi fries. <laughs> halloumi is not particularly popular here in the States. So. Really? I love yeah, it. I, would lo- I, I like halloumi. Yeah, no, yeah. me too. It just, it's just not easy to get. See, my, um, my so, go-to move is a halloumi burger with a good slice of tomato, some rocket, a vinegar, and that saltiness of the halloumi. Oh, killer. Sounds delicious. So um, Nick responded to that with Goose Island launching in Australia. Now, that's beer. Uh, I, yeah, Nick, you're, Nick is right. Our generous benefactor, Nick. We, we love you, Nick. But, uh, yeah, Midway IPA, a beer I've had, it's whatever. Their IPAs became total garbage, I feel like, once once they got bought. And, um, I, and I have, yeah. I, I can actually remember attending a, a, several Melbourne pubs when when Goose Island were lo- launching in Australia, and because they were part of the CUB brand, they were basically at every pub, and their IPA was hot garbage. It was, it's bad. Um, a mid-tier pale ale from ten to fifteen years ago. That's that's yeah, really where it comes in and just doesn't hack it in today's market. Yeah, and that's and you you'll find it on tap a lot here in Vegas and in in places uh, at casinos especially. So now I is that better it. than what's available on the rest of the tap line though? This is this is sort of the thing Depends that I'm on what worried you want, about. Really, in Vegas. I mean, I'll just drink a I'll just drink a Modelo out of the bottle. That's generally if I really want beer, I'll just do that. So that's not a bad option. Um, or just drink whiskey straight. If you're going to a station casino, just take my advice, gang. If you're at the Sunset Station, Boulder, Green Valley Ranch, Red Rock Palace, or the Santa Fe, God forbid, just get yourself some bullet rye on the rocks. That'd be my professional tip. You're sitting at the bar. You, you will have no trouble getting a solid pour of bullet rye on the rocks, my friend. So that's what I would tip off for you guys. Do not drink the beer on draft. Can't. Cannot recommend that. Sorry. No, that, that's a damn good warning. That's a public service announcement. Some would call you yep. a communist. I would say that's a good public service announcement. They I'll will comp you Bullet Rye. They will comp it to you. Bullet Rye, zero dollars. Punch a 20 in the machine, my man. That has um, to be one of the best value um, spirits out there. I'm a big fan of Bullet. Mm-hmm. doesn't go for a lot of money here in Australia either. Um, yeah, straight up, it's delicious. Yeah, it's good for the price. Um, did have a few of those at that blackjack table at the M2, and that's not even station. And they were pouring it nice in a nice glass. No plastic shit there. Um, the M was hooking it up, too. So you can you can get yourself some bullet around town. Um, Nick also asks um, that if I've read sort of the uh, 
if I have uh, read the book Barrel Age Stout and Selling Out, uh, it's a, a classic. I think it speaks to the to the beer industry now better than any any book or any article I've read. So I would highly recommend that book, Nick. I'm glad you picked it up. Um, uh, if if you've read it or haven't read it or read it twice at this point, but uh, Nick, you're right. That's a great book. So guys, I do recommend that book. Um, Barrel Age Stout and Selling Out by a fellow named Josh Noel, uh, a writer for the Chicago Tribune. Um, usually has the beat on the beer industry, too. He's a good follow, so I'd check that out. Um, Tony, what else do we have? Uh, looks like we had some pe- people drinking beers in the old uh, beer chat here. We sure did. It was absolutely chug-a-block. The one I want to mention is our benefactor, Nick Talk. The he was talking about how he thinks he's got a new favourite as far as uh, West Coast IPAs go and has upset his um, classic colonial beer that he was a big fan of. And it's a beer that I know quite well. It's a Hawker's beer that is delicious. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's just simply called the West Coast IPA. It's one of the, the beers I think they launched with. It's oh. sort of old school but delicious. Lovely colour on this. Yeah. Um, on this beer right here. Crystal clear. So um, also got some other good stuff in here because I, I had mentioned, I bought some burial this week, be, uh, notably because, A, the shipping was $10 this week, which was huge. And um, there was a beer with a brewery called Mountain Culture Beer Company from Australia, Tony, from yeah. your homeland. And uh, I had, I was not familiar with them. Neither was so I. I I was looking for you and Nick, and guess who came through? Wasn't neither you? Uh, it was our buddy P Mac um, from way way back uh, in the TAI days. Um, brought it out, and so he so they had a burial collab here. Uh, there in Australia, also, which appears that it was a stout uh, based on his uh, his insights here. But he got the Mountain Culture Birthday Pack, a cold IPA, and any IPA, and their awesome IPA. Uh, these beers look lovely. They have great can art. Yep. Almost feels like drinking burial right here. So I'm excited to get my hands on that. It's a, um, it's an IPA, uh, that they worked on together. So I'll, I should be seeing that here at the end of the week. So I'll be posting about that. Can't wait. Let's see, um, who has done it better. I wonder how these collabs actually go down. Is it just one brand leveraging another? Is it like mountain culture just, how does Mountain Culture get in contact with Burial? I don't know. I yeah. mean, that's that's really a that's that's a that's deep thoughts right there. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that is a good question. I mean, uh, if anyone knows how collaborations happen, is it is it through the Instagram method? Or are they just posting that like the guys go on there and go, "Hey, want to collab or whatever" to the hot girl or whatever that is? And then maybe maybe it's that. I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Our friend Corey also posted um, uh, in my struggle to find non-alcoholic beer. He posted about well-being brewing. I will talk about the non-alcoholic beer experience I'm I have or am having right now. He recommended well-being. I did look for them, uh, Corey, and uh, I found their IPA, which is pretty well rated, and um, it was a it was dated in January this year so i just did not feel like a non-alcoholic ipa from nine ten months ago was going to hold up too good so i i bypassed that when when looking for my my na beer so we'll talk about that in a second i am drinking one that i did get my hands on so 
very good. Tony, what else we got? We got uh, some Eugene, Tyler, Tyler, W2s drinking some peanut butter Eugene, Corey drinking some Schlafly coffee stout, a, a delicious coffee stout with uh, coffee from Caldi's. Some death by raspberries. We got some beer news that we'll talk about later that you would have gotten the lowdown on if you were part of the Discord. So yep. you got to get in there. And Tony, I think that for this busy week, that might be just about it, other than some funny gambling stuff. Anything else you got in there that you want to shout out? No, no. I, I did want to get to the gambling stuff because that is kind of crazy. Um, yeah. The monkey story? Yes, the monkey story about the. Uh, Texas, uh, was it Texas coach, yeah, Longhorns coach, special teams um, girlfriend was bitten mm-hmm. by the, um, the team. No, his girlfriend was not bitten. His his strippers girl, his stripper girlfriend's monkey bit a child oh, on Halloween. <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> so his his and and grammar purist did point out the uh, grammatical errors here in this headline, but yeah, monkey belonging to Texas special teams coach coaches stripper girlfriend bites child on Halloween. So, uh, that is not good. Um, and then this was a, so this guy was sort of the Twitter star of the day for a day and you never want to be that. You don't want to be the Twitter hero of the day. That's not, not the goal. Now, where do you stand? Sorry, I'm going to sidetrack this on the apostrophe and its wrong position. I do understand the possessive nature in this case, and the apostrophe should come after, but it always looks wrong to me. I have tried to get my head around it and use it more correctly rather than it's not special teams is coach's stripper girlfriend. That doesn't work. So it is the possessive version of is. Um, it's not a grammar pet peeve of mine. One that is not necessarily a grammar pet peeve of mine, but a language pet peeve of mine is irregardless. Just say regardless. It's the same word. Why put era in front of it? That's a <laughs> pet peeve of inflammable, mine. Inflammable. Inflammable means flammable. What a country. <laughs> what uh, a world. We use those as well. Yeah. Uh, monkey. So, Monkey belonging to Texas special teams. It, so they just need the apostrophe after after the teams. S. Yep, that is correct. I wonder if coach needs to be possessive. I don't know, but um, yeah, probably not. So I mean, it's not well written. It's it is true though. The the monkey was um, did belong to the girlfriend. The girlfriend is a uh, stripper, and the stripper girlfriend is the girlfriend of the Texas special teams coach. Uh, all that's true, and uh, it's not it's not good. So I don't really know where that ends up, but it was pretty crazy. Now, has anybody um, actually looked up what this um, stripper looks like? Because we all know there's a wide variance in strippers. There are attractive strippers. And there are ones that Brian spends money on to uh, as a joke. <laughs> she had a crazy name. Um, I remember that. I can't remember the crazy name, though. I'm looking it up. 
Her name was uh, oh, pole pole assassin. Get it? <laughs> I got pole it. Pole assassin. Um, I mean, she's cute. I don't know. I, I think she's. I think she's good looking. Well, I'm trying to. I'm. 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 Uh, all women are queens, Tony. That's just what. What I want to be clear. But um. I think she's. I think she looks fine. I don't know. She's estimated to be worth one million dollars. That's got to be more than what a special teams coordinator is on. I think she. I don't know. I think she looks great. I mean, I know she's pretty made up. She's a. She's a sex worker, so she's presumably putting on a lot of makeup. She's from Wales. She's Welsh. There should be a warning signs right there. Oh wait. No, that's not true. Somehow something happened on this website. Um, I'm looking at a bad website. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. But you can um, you can find videos of her on doing pole work um, on on uh, on the internet. And I don't even think she's naked. You can just it's like it's wholesome pole pole dancing. So there you go. Uh, if, if you're looking for that. But no, Tony, I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think Brian nor I can afford. We, we're going to need a lot more better blackjack runs if we're if we're coughing up the dough for this one. Well, we need to start changing those time zones because clearly that's what's got you to win. So mm-hmm. that's the trick. So, Tony, how was your trip? Uh, we didn't. We didn't get to this actually before before we move on to the tip jar. You didn't tell us about your trip to the to Melbourne. How'd it go? Are you healthy still? Are you alive? It appears you're still alive. Uh, I sure. Well, I think I'm alive. Is this real or is yeah, this? Yeah, good point. Everything is a construct, Tony. Right? Who knows? Who knows? But as far as I know, I'm still alive. I checked in everywhere that I needed to. So you buy yourself a train ticket. You check in at the station. You check in once you hop inside the carriage. You check in at the station on the other end. And yeah, so like, there's a lot of tracing in place if you want to take advantage of the tracing with COVID. And I did. But the thing was, in Melbourne, everybody that was willing to travel to the CBD because there's fuck all you can do in the CBD, Central Business District, not sure whether that's a term in America, it is in Australia, Um, there's fuck all you can do if you don't have your vaccine passport. They ask for it everywhere, sit down meals. A lot of businesses yep. are starting to ask for it. Mask compliance was great. I didn't see anybody indoors that wasn't wearing a mask um, unless they were having a meal somewhere. Um, it really felt, felt as safe as anywhere can be in this COVID world. The issue came at um, towns that were far closer to me, the, the, the towns that were on the, the stops of the train line where the locals would not wear masks um, in the train. <laughs> And they are having a COVID spike right now, and I can see why. Sure. Because they are um, not taking it seriously because they think they're not in the city, so therefore they're not affected with it. All right. There you go. And did you get a burger or anything while you're down there? I did not get a burger, but I tell you what I did get. I got Korean fried chicken. Oh, hell yeah. That's good. I'm a sucker for some Korean fried chicken. Korean fried yeah, chicken. Me too. I went yeah, yeah, that to shit's good, man. Sam Sam, which is mm-hmm. um, in Swanson Street, and their gimmick is it's cooked by a robot. So, if you can imagine mm. the deep fryers, 
well, you know what a deep fryer is, a fryer later, whatever you want to call it. I can I, I can imagine them perfectly, yes. Yeah, and it's, there's a big robot arm that grabs the baskets. Um, yeah, sure. And, yeah. and does all the dunking. So um, wow. that's that's Tony's against job creation. Absolutely. Okay. I don't want people <laughs> um, earning $7 standing in front of yeah, a fryer <laughs> killing themselves. I'd rather that yeah. job go to a, a robot, even if it's not sentient. Mm, the job creators are not in Australia, I guess. Interesting. Uh, Tony, back to the Discord. Why don't we quickly tap the mail keg? Uh, Tony, we got one question this week. It's from W2s. He asks, um, can you all come up with a beer that Griff hasn't had? And I would say it's these non-alcoholic beers that I cannot find. This is true. Have you had the Australian classics? I'm not talking about Foster's. So have you, we know you've had Cooper's. Have you I've ever had Cooper's had, Pale. Have you, um... I'm thinking macros. Let's not get into Australian craft. But have you had a Foster's? Not a Foster's. A Vic, Vic Bitter or Carlton Draft? I've had Vic Bitter. I have not had Carlton Draft. You poor bastard. Forex? Yeah. Have you had no. any Forex? What about no. um, some Tui's? No. You haven't had Tui's. There you go. There are some beers that Griff has not had. We found them. But, I have to go across the world to get them, but as much uh, as people, there are more. Them. There are more than that. Yeah. yeah, there are a lot more beers than I've ever, I'll ever be able to drink in my life. Yeah, but what percentage of beers do you think that you've tasted that are currently on the market in your United States of America? As much as we joke that you've had a high percentage, you wouldn't come close Point. to one percent. You would be no way, not even close. No. no. No, and I even if I even if I were close, it would be because I've drank like one quarter of an ounce of of like fucking some stout or whatever. Like, there's no way I'm not even then. I would say I'm at like point oh one or something. Yeah, it's it's wild because you think there are what seven thousand breweries in America at any given time, roughly. That's about where we've leveled mm, up at. Yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, and each brewery has to have what. 10 to 20 beers at least, yeah. yeah over the 30, course of a yeah. year. It, it's it's quite astronomical, the amount of beers that are out there and the amount yeah. of great beer that's out there that flies under the radar. I know you yep. and I both get caught up in the um, delicious cult of the new. Um, right. But we're probably missing most oh, of yeah. the gems that fly under the radar. Yep. No, it's true. No, that's right. Uh, yep, so there you go. Tyler, um, I've had barely any of the beers, and I'm missing a lot of the, even the good ones, frankly, at this point. Um, it's just that all of us drink the same beer on this podcast. We just all drink the same beers, <laughs> and that's why it feels like I drank all the beers, because we all enjoy the same beer, and that's maybe now, maybe that's the problem. With you moving to another part of the country, do you think your palate will diverge from those folks, or they're part of your beer community because they've got similar pellets to you in the first place? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, we, I think we all like lager, IPA, and, and stout, right? I mean, we like lager and West Coast and, and stout. I'm drinking less hazy, but I think everybody is drinking less hazy right now, so I don't think that's, I don't think that's too unusual. Um, uh, so, yeah, gang, if you guys want to get in the Discord just drop us a line on our email. Our email is beerengineshow at gmail.com. 
or hit us up on Instagram, Beer Engine Pod on Instagram, and we will add you to the Discord. And if you want to get something in the mail keg, you just got to do it there. Um, that's the best way to get us to read your mail or questions or whatever. Now, one more way to reach us, Tony, and one more way to get in our Discord is to donate money to us, if you would like. It is. They can uh, use the link that is on our website for the weird, wacky spelling of Kofi. Isn't it Kofi or something like that? ko-fi.com slash beer engine podcast. And you can donate uh, some money to us. And one of our generous listeners did donate some money to us, our friend Nick, um, who uh, asked me to take his money and go purchase some non-alcoholic beer with it. And by golly, I did it, Tony. I found a non-alcoholic beer to drink. This beer I'm drinking right now is called Groovy. It is from Canada. I do not know who makes it. Um, I guess Groovy makes it. It's an IPA, 0% alcohol, 100% beer. 60 calories, um... Per can. So, I mean, it's healthy too. Now, and uh, yeah, I've had some um, low alcohol, which is considered no alcohol because anything under, I think it's 1% in Australia is considered no alcohol beer. Um, mm. Mornington Peninsula put it out. And while it was a good beer, I found it was a touch sweet. But more than that, it it was overpriced for what it was. It was a middling pale, and you they were charging over middling pale prices for none of the buzz. How does this stack up in your eyes for beer? And then secondly, if it doesn't stack up as a regular beer, how does it stack up as a non-alcoholic alternative if you're you're driving somewhere? If I'm driving somewhere, I'm just drinking soda water, Tony. This is just not it for me. There, there's this sweet finish to it that I really cannot get my head around. And I think this is why I've had some non-alcoholic beer before from the gang over at, like, Mickler. And um, it's generally the sour type. So I find that those beers can hide that sugary, sweet finish better than this. But this has this awkward saccharine finish. There is a nice hop flavor to it. There's a nice hoppiness to it. I'm not going to say that it's missing that, especially as it warms up. But that sweet finish is so distracting. It's it's so much. Yep. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I'll probably try to finish the four-pack, but I, this is not, this isn't for me, I got to say. So you could only get it in a four-pack, is that right? You couldn't buy it as a single, or you thought no, you were going to take couldn't. I couldn't buy singles. Yeah. It oh. was seven ninety nine for the four pack. I couldn't get a single, but there you go. Now, is that a common thing in America that beers are only sold in four packs? Because in Australia, we can always buy singles at basically nah, any outlet. You, you can now. You don't, you can't always break shit up. No, that's not. They don't let you do that here as much. Really? Well, no. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, some places do iron and glass. Everything can be bought as a single, but here in Vegas, I haven't really seen that much of it. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I, this isn't for me. Uh, I know there's other brands that people like. If you have a brand of NA beer that you really like, feel free to let me know. Nick, if you have a brand you really want me to drink, tell me. 
and I will do it. Um, so I appreciate Nick for, uh, uh, donating to us. If, like I said, if you guys have some, something you want the monkeys that are Tony and I to do, um, you know, or you just want to throw us a, a buck for all the nice content we've thrown your way. Um, you can do it. It's ko fi.com slash beer engine podcast. Tony, let us move on to talk about our favorite beers we drank this week. Tony, how about you? I've been talking a lot this show. What's what's what? What do you got going on this week? What have you been drinking? I've been drinking a couple of different things. Leatherback Sun God would be my standout for the week. Mm. It's a classic IPA. I don't see. This is one of these things where everything gets called an IPA, but I would call it a pale ale. It doesn't veer into West Coast territory, either new or old. It just happens to be six percent. Where in Australia we would classify a pale ale as as around the five mark i just think it's a a good pale ale that was was kind of tasty i did also have some jiggy juice from um our good friends dayton's but um i think they fucked up the packaging of that and i think i got a lot of trub um Mm. Yes, it was a New England IPA, but this thing had chunks and not chunks yeah. that stayed in suspension. This was oh chunks boy. that uh, settled within a minute of pouring to the bottom of the glass. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not good. No. Uh, all right. Griff's thinking. Anything else, Tony? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was it for me on an ale front, let me put it that way. Okay. All right. Well, Tony, I, uh, I got my, you know, my hands on uh, an all-time classic. It's the annual anniversary beer from Firestone Walker. Uh, this one is the 25th anniversary beer from Firestone. Um, and shit, Tony, I should have brought in the little, the big scroll <coughs> that they shove into the, <coughs> excuse me, that they shove into the, to the bottle box. Um, but maybe I can find what the makeup was. It was mostly parabola this year, Tony. Um, this year's was mostly parabola. And that's not a bad thing. Cause that's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Flagship, like massive beer is massive Imperial stout. Yeah. Yep. Um, actually, you know what? I might be able to find it here. Oh, I can't, they don't put it on the website, Tony. God damn. Um, now, some of it was aged. There, now, there was a piece of it that was tequila barrel aged, and I was worried about that. I thought I was walking into a hornet's nest with that, but you really couldn't tell. Um, really just sort of another um, another character of the uh, – another piece of barrel character for it more than anything. Um, truly a lovely beer. Tasted great. It has – every year it's – this year it was, I would say – it was like 40% parabola and 15% sticky monkey was something like that. And that's now I'm on board with that. And it really did have that character. It was a lot of stout and a lot of malt, a lot of barley wine type flavor, caramel. Now, um, according to, um, untapped as much as you can take that for anything, it does say the tequila barrel was, uh, Merkin. 
So if you're going to put anything yeah. in a tequila barrel that's going to play nicely, I think I think Merkin is going to be the beer to do that rather than than um, Parabola or or the or Sticky Monkey, at least in what I've had. So I agree. Yeah, it, it was you don't a, want it to communicate too much. Yeah, yeah. Parabola was forty one percent. The tequila uh, barrel Merkin was twenty eight percent. Brandy barrel barley wine was thirteen. Sticky Monkey was ten, and the wheat wine, which was another tequila um, barrel, was eight mm. percent. So twenty eight and eight, um, sixteen, thirty six um, percent of it was aged tequila. in. In tequila barrels. Yeah. I didn't get a monster amount of agave flavor. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a great taster, which we know I'm not, but um, didn't didn't come through. There was a nice dryness to it, so maybe that's what it, it aided in, was like not making it linger too sweet um, for too long. That, that, that would be a guess. Yep. But uh, it, it did taste nice. It was a nice beer. Uh, that was probably my favorite this week, Tony. Um, why don't we talk about the what everybody wants and let's jump into the lager of the week. Griff's lager of the week. Griff's lager of the week. We should record there that it is. video because we both danced to that song. Uh, t- Tony, you're not going to believe this, but my lager of the week is Frame Pills. Uh... I'm going back to the classic. I wanted to say Freem Hefeweizen, but I guess that should have just been a beer of the week because it's not lager. Um, I will say this. The Freem Hefeweizen was lovely. Um, I don't know if it could top 25th anniversary Firestone, but it was delicious. <laughs> really good. But Freem Pills was on draft, Tony, at the Sand Dollar Lounge, the Divey Blues Club where we were hanging out. And from a perfectly clean draft line, no shit. It was clean as piss. You could taste it. It was so good. And, um, it was, uh, it tasted perfect. Nice fluffy head from my man in the black project t-shirt. The blues were good. The Pilsner tasted great. And, uh, I did lose $20 in the video blackjack, but who cares? Whatever. Why weren't you playing video poker or was it not available at the Sandella lounge? Uh, I uh, I had already lost $20 on video poker. So I switched (laughs) to blackjack for kind of a slow, hoping for a slower bleed and really didn't get much out of that. So now, I have been consuming a beverage during the show, and this actually falls neatly into Griff's Lager of the Week, taken over by Tony, and that is the Good Lager from Goodland Brewing Co., just mm. um, 40 minutes down the road from me in uh, the Latrobe Valley, um, which is truly Victoria's shithole, but they mm. make a good beer. All right, thinking, that's good to know. You're probably thinking, why do I call it a shithole? Do we have some sort of rivalry with them? No, not really. Um, they they have a paper factory, so the place smells like shit a lot of the time. And it is okay. also the um, key power generation site within um, the state of Victoria. And we're not talking wind turbines or solar energy. We're talking good old-fashioned oven-cut coal mines. So... It's a lovely place to visit, Latrobe Valley. But good land, they do a good lager. I've got a few other beers, some out of their core range, some limited edition stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what another local brewery is doing. 
I wonder if Griff has recovered from his non-alcoholic beer because he seems to be having real troubles with it on the video chat. Oh, you son of a bitch. You yes, son I, of a uh, bitch. I will, I will be recovering from my non-alcoholic beer with a delicious can of Sierra Nevada Celebration Fresh Hop IPA, Tony. This will cleanse the palate nicely. It will not be a sugar, weird sugar bomb. It smells amazing. Oh. Um, I'm very excited to drink this. We got cans of this. Are, do you have the cans yet? Are, are you, you're probably going to get them. Hopefully. I'm checking my Dan yeah. Murphy's because I've got Celebration at Dan Murphy's before, I'm, but I might have to order um, it from a specialist um, beer store. But hopefully we can get the cans because that sound like, sounds like it's going to be kept at its absolute freshness. Yeah, it so, is a great beer. You kind of do have to keep it cold. You're going to want to keep it cold when you get it, but absolutely. it holds up pretty well. Hopefully the um, the stores treat it well because I know it's brought over cold. It's a matter of what happens once it gets to the stores. It's yeah. the most important thing. So give us your review on this year's Sierra Nevada. Reliable as ever. Um, it's got it, it fits well with the holidays. It's got this kind of dark malt spiciness that when it, when it fits in with those fresh tasting hops, um, there's just a nice like natural spiciness that comes out that fits that holiday flavor. Sort of this like warm spice, not like cinnamon and clove, but you know, in a, in a better way. So I think it, it tastes like Christmas to me. I love this damn stuff. So I'm going to be drinking it for the next month and a half. I can't wait. Sounds like what it's going to be awesome. So you're going to and buy I, that on a regular basis or you're fully loaded, you're fully stocked? Nah, I got one six-pack. I'll just keep buying six-packs. It's just going to be – I haven't I haven't found a big case of it yet. So If I buy the – if I find the 24-pack, I will buy the 24-pack, but haven't seen one yet. So I'm buying the little they – they put them in the box. They're in the little, like, completely yep. the box setup. The, the so. separate box thing, yep. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see if I can keep – I'm just going to have to keep getting my hands on those. They're good. It's a great beer. Um, boy, Lager of the Week just torn up by ales this week, huh? Um, well, Tony, why don't we jump into some more beer stuff? This is, a, this is a big week. It's been a big day in the news, so why don't we do some hyper beer nerd dork shit news? Hyper beer nerd dork shit news. All right, big day in the news, Tony. This, uh, If you were in our Discord, you would have gotten this news. Hours ago, from yours truly, Tony, the the world famous Bell's Brewery has sold to Australian brewery, sorry, Australian beer company Lion, and its parent company Kirin Ichiban. Um, uh, Lion has taken over Bell's. Lion, also the owner of New Belgium, New Belgium will be the operator here in the states of Bell's. And uh, this is from Josh Knoll, who wrote that book we spoke about earlier. He had just gotten off the phone with Larry Bell, who is retiring from the business, and it was a good time to do it. So, Tony, your first instinct when you find out that Bell's make maker of maybe the finest American beer in existence at this point, the or at least one of the top five, we'll say, the, the two-hearted ale, uh, is being sold to your, your buddies over there in Australia. First instinct, um, I'm not fearful. 
let me put it that way. I'm not expecting a change in quality, at least in the short to medium term. The other brands mm-hmm. that that Kieran own, um, or, or or Lion or Nathan or whatever they're using as their their Australian moniker these days, um, they've had a good history of not fucking up brands in the short to medium term. Sure. They don't tend to innovate the same way that. Um, Bells may have been known for in the past, but Bells is a fairly um, sturdy brand that that has its core range. So I think it'll be fine, at least in the short to medium term. Long, longer term outcome and sort of innovation going forward, you you won't see much, but you shouldn't see a Goose Island style drop in quality. Um, that being said, um, if you do see a down ticking quality it probably is because of the the big brewery brewery taking over um that's just a factor of big breweries really that um sometimes quality suffer there's there's been a handful of examples of breweries that have that have continued to produce quality but it's it's more an outlier than being the true story yeah i agree i mean uh, I think, I mean, Goose Island took a dive. Elysian took a dive. Um, I think some of the Miller ones did too. But, uh, you know, we've seen Boulevard has still been pretty successful. Firestone Walker is still pretty innovative and been pretty successful. Um, how innovative was Bell's in the last five years, ten years anyways? I would say, eh, you know, what does yeah. innovation mean for them? I mean, double two hearted is a nice beer. <laughs> is that how innovative is that? I don't know. I mean, it is delicious. Well, um, but I just hope beers like that keep getting made. I'm, I'm not expecting them to put out an ice cream, um, an ice cream <laughs> stout anytime soon. New yeah, invention. Um, yeah, no, me neither. Uh, but as long as they're putting out that beer, and and it, when I'm talking about innovation, that's what I'm thinking of with being an innovative beer for that brand. I'm not thinking it'll be anything crazy, but if we can get a double two-hearted or a triple two-hearted or a West Coast two-hearted, even though it is a West Coast. If we get triple two-hearted. No, I don't think I don't think it's a two I don't think two-hearted is West Coast. No, it's, it's a Midwest a, Midwest IPA, I would call it, but Okay, um, question for you then. What is a Midwest IPA? I I have an opinion on it, but closer, it's probably closer wrong. to it. Closer to English with American hops. That'd be my. That would. That would be what I would say. Yep. So. So more of a malt backbone than than a West Coast. Drinks. Bigger, darker malt. Bigger, yep. darker malt backbone. West Coast has that very light. The the modern West Coast, neo West Coast, and even Stone to a degree, or like your your '90s West Coast, has more of a dry, um, uh, light colored malt backbone background than. It, it puts the hops really, really at the forefront. Not that, not that too hard. It doesn't, but it's a little more balanced. Yep, gotcha. And um, and so yeah. that would be the the sort of typical Midwest example that you would you would always point to. Are there Bell's other- Too Hearted is the premier example of a uh, of a Midwest IPA, and frankly, I would say of if if I think of American IPA purely, I would say Bell's Too Hearted is what. What anyone should look at and say that's American IPA. I mean, I think it is sort of the unifying elements of 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 IPA. I hate when New England IPA is called American American IPA. I'm not very patriotic, but I don't know. 
<laughs> no, I don't agree with that. But I would say that I as I can't I can't promote founders, but Centennial is also an example of it. You know, founder Centennial. Yep. Gotcha. Um, trying to think of other good examples of that type of beer. Are they all in Michigan? I don't know. Dark Horse, you know, that's another one. They're in Michigan. Oh, Alpha King. Alpha King is like sort of a more fucking metal version of it, you know. Uh, it's it's more, you know, in hardcore, but that's a, that's another one that I think is a good good version. Now, do you think the hardiness actually comes to the climatic conditions of the Midwest or it's just something they did and, and it just happened? Because it just seems I, I don't to me. Know. That I just that... wonder if they. I think they might have just come around before West Coast IPA did. You know what Probably I mean? It was. Right it was, had to be a little more preserved. I would say that's the case. You wanted more shelf stability, um, and and maybe the malt bill helped helped with that. You know, keep it keep it tasting good for for longer. I don't know, but because um, some of those West Coast IPAs, they will they are gone like that. It takes a second. The damn thing don't taste like nothing anymore. You know. Yeah, yep. It's it's almost like milk, but rather than going off, you just lose all your flavor. Yeah, it just has no taste. Um, uh, Hop Leaf came out. Hop Leaf is a famous Belgian uh, beer bar in Chicago. Really, probably the first meaningful craft bar in Chicago. I kind of find them a great arbiter of of sort of these types of transactions to help me understand it better. And Michael from Hop Leaf came out and and said. Um, uh, you know, Larry Bell deserves the option of retirement or the chance to direct his energies elsewhere. We're happy for him. He created a great brand, great beers, and a tremendous success story. And he um, mentioned that I believe Bell's was pretty much uh, uh, Bell's Amber Ale kept Hop Leaf alive for a while. Um, and uh, people would come up all the way to Clark and Foster just to drink Bell's. This is in the 80s, in the mid to late 80s when they opened. And um, he mentions that they're going to keep Bell's on draft at Hopleaf for, you know, at least the foreseeable future anyways. And that's notable if only because Hopleaf does not carry Goose Island. Um, so I think they tend to have a instinct for when to keep these beers on or, or take them off yep. um, when they become kind of messed up or they have the high potential for that. And, uh, he did it with Goose Island. He didn't do it right away, but once he kept tasting them, he said, like, I'm not putting this beer on anymore because it doesn't taste good. So um, I don't think he has that feeling with Bells yet. So we'll, we will see how it goes for them. Yeah. Um, I had something profound that I was going to say, believe it or not, but I've forgotten what it is. All I can tell you is I can't find Celebration Ale in Australia this year. God damn it. Yeah, that sucks. That's all you're thinking about now. Yeah, it you is. just can't get it off your mind. Yeah, I really well, can't. I hope Bell's continues to be successful. When I'm back in Michigan uh, someday, I would love to return to the Bell's Eccentric Cafe, a truly wonderful place to eat and drink and drink two hearted ale on cask because that Whoa. just is lovely, isn't it? Who who doesn't want some of that? That's good. Sounds um, delightful. Tony, you had some news. You had some 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 dork shit news also. Uh, well, yeah. There's a, apparently a deep shortage of al- aluminium cans, Tony. There is a, a deep shortage of aluminium cans um, in Australia, and we're having trouble. Um, our craft 
brewers are having trouble meeting <laughs> meeting demand um, because everybody wants canned beer. I, I'm one of those, and all the mm-hmm. all the aluminium is coming out of China these days. So, um, as it's always done, really. Um, sure. And it's only now a real thing. I know this has made news in America some time ago, but yep. now it affects me. So now it's real. Now it's a problem. Yeah. yeah. This is fucked up now. It's kind of like COVID wasn't real for me until we had the Delta variant. Then. Oh, yeah. That did get worse. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that. No, we don't. But, um, yeah, uh, my my question with this news that it's actually real now will we see a packaging change in beer or are we going to see a shortage in beer or it's not a real thing or are you willing to pay a premium for canned beer over glass bottles? What are your thoughts? Because my immediate thoughts are, well, I'm just going to change my behaviour and and go back to to the majority glass bottles if this is truly a thing. If it comes back in bottles, I'll drink it in bottles. If it stays in cans, I'll drink it in cans. If it costs an extra dollar, I'll pay an extra dollar. <laughs> I don't know. You know, dude, I mean, I, what am I? I'm, I just bought a bunch of fucking $18 cans from Burial to ship to me, for God's sake. Like, the extra dollar is really not going to – it's not that it's not going to make an impact. It's that I'm not paying enough attention. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I'm just like, whatever. Sure, I guess. Okay. But he's he's – where I stand on it, cans make it easy for me to transport, whether I'm ordering from somewhere. Oh, yeah. It makes it easier to ship. I'm less worried about breakage. It also makes it easier for me to carry it home from my lo- local supermarket. The vast majority of beer that is in my local supermarket is in cans. All the premix stuff, it's in cans as well. So I'm happy to pay a premium. Um, I'm happy to go back to bottles, but I would rather pay that premium, to be honest, if it ever comes to that. So... Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I, I think I would just rather do that too. I mean, I'll. I mean, what did I pay for this six pack of celebration, Tony? Eight ninety nine or something? Eight ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. It was. Yeah, it was eight ninety nine. This is the picture from Corey's of the uh, of the beers in in the in the fridge. Celebration IPA, eight dollar ninety nine cent for a six pack. So, uh, did it used to be seven ninety nine? I don't fucking know. Who knows? You know, okay. whatever. I think I, I think I bought a twelve pack last year for twelve ninety nine. So maybe that's or maybe thirteen ninety nine. So maybe I'm getting fucked now. I don't know. That's still Fuck a bargain. Me. You know, if I don't care. <laughs> Just give me the damn things. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't so, matter. I I will just pay it. So you're telling me you could get a case of Celebration Ale for the cost of one um, Horace beer. Oh, yeah. No less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much less. Tony, what do you think my last Horace beer cost? Let's let's play that. Here's a game for you. What did my last Horace beer I bought cost? They tend to come in around the 50 mark, but are they? Let me, let me, tell, you what, let me tell you what it was. Okay. How about this? We'll play. We'll, we'll just make this a quick little quick game here. Uh, here's the beer. This was called Proper Dose. I bought this on... Uh, I bought this a week ago today. Uh, Horace Proper Dose. I've been patiently awaiting to, uh, sorry, I've been patiently waiting to release these bottles I put aside years ago. Surprise, three years later, this is the last of the original Proper Dose that I cellared. It is an Imperial Stout weighing in at 13.9% with chocolate, Panama, La Esmeralda, 
geisha coffee, hazelnuts, and vanilla added. As a member of the convocation, you can purchase up to 12 bottles. Um, and uh, this one is in 650 milliliter bottles. Oh, 650 milliliter bottles. This pushes it higher. So no no tchotchkes, no um, hand, handcrafted china from the Ming Dynasty era. I'm going no, to put, no, put just this... a bottle. The, the biggest serving throws me off. You get a little bit more value there. I'm going to say... No, most of those are, are six... Most of what I get from them is 650, okay. so I'll point out. Okay, but this is an original beer. I'm going to say this comes in under the 100 mark. This comes in at $80, $80 bang <laughs> on the money. Nah, this one is a value. This was thirty eight ninety nine. Oh, still, bargain. still more expensive than 24 cans of celebration. But yeah. <laughs> this is true. All right, one more, Tony. Okay. Triple Dose is a gargantuan addition to the Dose family. It's a French oak barrel-aged imperial stout weighing at a 12.9% with triple the chocolate, triple the Panama La Esmeralda Geisha coffee, triple the hazelnuts, and triple the vanilla. It's even more ridiculous than last year's double dose and easily the most adjuncts I have ever used and the most loss of I have ever had on a yield. <laughs> Funny about that. We were able to get we were able to get one case of this too. I, I bought one. Uh, this was uh, another six fifty milliliter waxed bottle. This is waxed. Okay. Fucking wax bottles. I so, fucking hate them, Tony. So you had double dose last year, didn't you? I'm sure you had I did. Double. Double dose. I did, that, yeah. That was fairly pricey. Bigger losses. Mm-hmm. This is still coming up. This isn't a bargain like the last beer. More losses means more money down the drain. I'm going to say this comes in at, at $60 on the on the knocker. You hit the target, Tony. $60.99. And did Griff buy it? Yes. Griff bought it. Griff bought it. Um... <laughs> Is Griff proud of it? No, he's not. Um, there is some shit I didn't buy recently, but I bought Zilla Dose. God damn it, I bought so much of this shit. I can't even go pick it up till next year. Oh, no. Just because I can't get out there. It's just not any time. All right, Tony. Why don't we move on to the laziest I've ever... Uh, planned for a game, and I uh, and you're gonna love it because I don't even really have a list of what I'm gonna work off of. But Tony, we're gonna play a classic version of one of my favorites, our newest game. This is called News the Game. In this edition of News the Game, uh, what I am going to do, uh, well, in the in the in the honor of uh, the sale of bells to, uh, it's now at um, uh, what is it, Lion and Lion. Kieran? Yeah, uh, I thought I might go through and uh, look through some of the the other breweries from uh, yours and I's beer. Asked and uh, kind of quiz you to see if you know. You don't have to tell me who owns them, but are these breweries independently owned 
anymore? Are they owned by themselves still? Okay. Uh, so essentially what I'm asking you are, are they, have these breweries been purchased by a, a conglomerate of some kind? This is going to be um, a real challenge. And you're going to say, are they or not? And these are mostly American breweries. So it's going to be tricky because yep. you're not there. You're not here. Um, and I see if, if I can pull this up. Uh, for the first one, I am going to throw out uh, one that we all love, Tony. Uh, Allagash Brewing Company. Brewing Company from Portland, Maine. Uh, we all love Allagash. Allagash White, one of the finest beers ever made in the USA. They put it in fucking cans now, Tony, and that's cool. Um, you can get a four-pack of Tallboy cans at Total Wine for ten ninety-nine. That's cool. And uh, I love Allagash. So is Allagash Brewery still owned by Rob Todd and the gang over at Allagash? I believe they were sold unless he's bought it back. I'm going to say they are not independent. Tony, that is incorrect. Allagash is still 100% uh, uh, not owned by one of these big breweries. Congrats so to Allagash them. is still... The the same kick ass place they've pretty much always been, only much bigger, and probably with some fucking VC funding or something. But that's okay. We'll let them go for that. Um. All right, Tony. How about this one? Uh, I don't even. I, I wonder if you're even quite familiar with this one, Tony. There's a brewery called Ten Barrel Brewing Company in Bend, Oregon. I am familiar with Ten Barrel. I feel like every brewery's been sold. I'm going to say this is not an independent. You're probably going to get one note from me, and that's not independent, And but I stand by it. Uh, Tony, you're correct. This brewery was sold to Anheuser-Busch, and I believe it was in 2014. So, Tony, you get that one right. Uh, that is a, uh, that is not independent owned by Anheuser-Busch one of, in, in that fury of purchases they were making, uh, you know, a good handful of years ago. Yep. Where they so were one nuts. for two, Tony. Here's one. This, this is one I think you may be familiar with Tony. This is Avery Brewing Company. This is a classic. I love Avery, uh, uh Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. Uh, they make White Rascal. They make um, uh, they make the Maharaja IPA. Um, they've got some great barrel aged stout that they make that I've always liked. Um, I've been there. It's a very nice place. Uh, Avery Brewing, Boulder, Colorado. What do you think? I think they're still independent for some reason. I always think of them as independent. I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to say they're still an indie. Tony, you're you're wrong, Damn but it. you're not you're not that wrong. Uh, they sold thirty percent of their company to the gang over at Mahau Mahu San Miguel from Madrid. So Avery is um, okay. I got to figure out how I'm going to keep tally of this. Um, <laughs> Avery is Avery is owned by some big ass fuck company or whatever so um 
This is sort of like untrapped, right? I have to sort of make a judgment of how, how independent they are also. Yeah, because 30% um, seems to me. How about this one, Tony? You love this brewery. What's it seem like? Well, it seems like they're still independent because they own 70% of it still themselves. But, hey, I don't make the rules. I think if you get one of those big breweries coming in and buying any True. part of it, I think you're. I think it's the lock, you know, Lagunitas situation. You know, they're either eventually going to buy the rest, or they're they're accumulating board seats. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now, now I can't ask about Lagunitas, but I assume you knew that one already. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I did. Okay. How about this one? Anchor Brewing. Remember them? Fritz Maytag. The game. I, I know Fritz sold Over there out. At Anchor, you, unionized now. Yeah. Okay. I know Fritz sold out of Anchor, but did a big brewery come in and take his place? I'm going to say. I would say it had, for it to not be a big brewery, they would have to sell to like, you know, Cellar Maker or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, which they could have done, but I'm going to say. He did sell to a major. This is no longer independent. Rest in peace, Anchor Brewing. Uh, you're right, Tony. They sold to Sapporo. They are also in the Japanese uh, Asian brew beer family. So they sold for $85 million to Sapporo. Um, Anchor and Anchor's team. And now they got those very kind of boring-looking cans, if you haven't seen them. Lame. Uh, okay, Tony, how about these guys? Uh, how about Greg Cook and the fam over at Stone Brewing? I believe they're no longer independent. I believe they sold up three or four years ago. Um, yeah, no longer independent, I'm going to say. I'm not going to leave people on the hook today. No longer independent. That is incorrect, Tony. They are, they remain an independent brewery. Um, they, uh, 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 they are, <laughs> yep. They sold their Berlin brewery to Brewdog. Oh. So they sold just the whole shit. Yep. They didn't sell the themselves. They're not still, they just sold the whole fucking thing. Um, and they are, but they are still independent. Um, you get that one wrong. Tony, how many have you gotten right? Uh, you've gotten one right. So you're one, four, six. <laughs> I'm doing well. Doing real well. Yeah. So he's one. Tony has one. And you have uh, five wrong. Good. All right. I got this. I'm, I got it together, Tony. We're fine. Um, how about this? Uh, how about Ballast Point Brewing? Ballast Point Brewing from San San Diego. Ballast Point makes all them sculpins. Are they owned by some monster uh, beer conglomerate, or are they still, you know, working, uh, you know, uh, on on in, in organic growth and shit like that? I'm going to say that because it's readily available under licence here in Australia that they are no longer independent. I believe that they are owned by a major and that's enabling them to brew under licence in Australia. Hey, Tony got one right. There he goes. That's two correct for Tony. 
because um, Ballast Point is owned by Constellation Brands, which bought them for one. No, they're not anymore. They were purchased for one billion dollars by Constellation Brands, and then sold to a strangely sold to a small brewery in Chicago that turned out to be operated by a bunch of ghouls who are in like private equity. <laughs> um, so I'm just going with no is pretty much going to be my answer there. Uh, Ballast Point is uh, is not is not an indie anymore, but um, I guess they're closer than they used to be when they sold in 2017 for a billion dollars. And then I think they sold to Kings and Convicts for a dollar or something. Because they were just trying to unload the debt. Which is... Uh, Tony, how about these guys? Wicked Weed from Asheville, North Carolina. How about Wicked Weed, Asheville, North Carolina. A, a brewery I've drank from many times, actually. Yeah, and I, I see them in Australia, but that doesn't really mean much because we get a combination of the two. I'm going to go with they're still independent for some reason. Tony, that is incorrect. Wicked Weed is owned by Anheuser Bush. Uh, damn it! Um, I believe they were purchased in 20, 2017. Um, Anheuser Busch bought Wicked Weed. I have drank their beer since then. It is still pretty good. Um, they have a place at the Charlotte Airport, Tony, and it is pretty good beer there at the Charlotte Airport. And you can order Shake Shack from your bar seat. So nice. kind of cool. But that's another one wrong for Tony. He has two, four, uh, eight. So we got two left. Tony, it's hard to find a brewery that hasn't sold out. That's the trick. Brewery that that hasn't hasn't pulled the trigger on a sale. So how about we do this one? Uh, how about um, how about Revolution Brewing in Chicago? Oh, I know they're on the shit list because of what they've done around unions, but... Revolution is? Oh, weren't they with their tap room? Or or, with, or was it their landlord? You're thinking, of, you're, thinking of, you're thinking of Surly. No, no. Wasn't there an issue with uh, the Revolution tap room at some point? Maybe it was their landlord that were the issue and not... Revolution themselves. I think you're thinking of Metropolitan. Oh. Metropolitan had the issue with their landlord, yeah. This is true. Um, Landlords, kill them all. <laughs> I'm going to go with um, that they're still independent. They're you're right, Tony. They are, Revolution is still is still on the good list. They're still good. You got that right. Thank you, Rev, for sticking with us. Um and actually, you're making more stout, so I'm excited to get my hands on some more of that barrel-aged stout. Last one for you, Tony. You can still self-managed and owned. What's that one? You were cutting out because... Founders. Founders. Brand- oh, but Founders Brewing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They are 100% still independently shittily owned. Uh, that's incorrect. They are 30% shittily owned by Mahu San Miguel also, just like Avery. 
Um, and actually, I believe San Miguel may have purchased more recently. I don't have it on this list. Well, I think they may have bought them out entirely. And um, I'm not positive on that. Hold on. Uh, this is important that our listeners have the correct information uh, on who owns Founders Brewing so they can not buy their beer. But uh, it is, where's that Wikipedia, baby? Um, they are, uh, yeah, they are totally owned by their parent group, uh, San Miguel. So Okay. They, they own them out. Well, okay, they own 90% of it, sorry. Uh, so the, the original owners now own 5% each of the brewery, and San Miguel owns 90%. And uh, I think and, it's fair uh, to say the that, thing, that they are no longer independent. That's for sure. They're one hundred percent racist, anyway. So Tony gets three out of ten. Uh, what that means for him? It means he doesn't know the news. Oh no! I don't know. I, I didn't come up with the thing that like Tony has to. I don't know. Tony has to uh, uh, pull off in front of a school or something or anything like that because of the, he lost the game. I don't know. I will not be doing that just to make it clear to people. <laughs> no. Just saying something that Tony has to bleep out on the show. So, <laughs> so we don't get arrested. Uh, yeah. Tony, Tony now has to send bomb threats to congressmen. I think actually, cause he lost as long as it's Ted Cruz. I'm, I'm cool with that. Oh, okay. That's fine. Perfect. Oh, okay. So now Tony's into that. Interesting. Uh, all right, Tony. Uh, do you, uh, I think we should probably just let everybody ride off into the sunset while we sit here and and cry over the uh, half-assedness of that game. Uh, you want to tell people where they can find us on Untapped? They can. They can find me at Saint Moz on Untapped. Look for some good to- good land beer. Um, about to be checked in. Maybe I'll do a big stout this week. You can also um, get your dose of Griff on Untapped, and he is Griff AD on Untapped. He you checks, get a triple dose for $61 of Griff. He will be dosing you up, whether it be triple, single, or double dose. There will be doses of Griff to go around. Where else can people find us if they want to Griff? Yes, they could go to Instagram. We're Beer Engine Pod uh, on Instagram. Stories, posts. Sometimes those are happening. Uh, you can send us an email, beerengineshow at gmail.com. If you want to get into the Discord fun, uh, contact us in one of those ways, Instagram DM or an email, which I might read or not, but just, you know, it, we'll figure it out. Another way to get into our Discord is to donate a dime or a dollar to us on our coffee, 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 coffee. Uh, ko-fi.com slash beer engine podcast. And you can throw us a buck, five bucks, whatever. And you can ask us to do something and I will eventually do it. Uh, and thank you again to our benefactors thus far, including our friend, Nick Torque, And of course our friend, Max allotment who threw us a fiver this week into the tip jar. Thank you, Max. So feel free to do that. It would be great. And, uh, it'll help us, uh, feel motivated. Uh, although we haven't had much trouble with that, Tony, we're up to no. 70, 80 something episodes and we just keep doing it. So who cares? 
I think that is all I can come up with, Tony. Uh, anything else? Oh, OKC got their third or fourth win of the season today. Let's go. The Thunder, meant to be the worst team in basketball. Not as bad as the Pelicans. Not quite. Not quite. Or the Pistons, I don't think. They're really bad. They are. Bulls win tonight. Bulls beat Dallas. That's a nice win. Um, I, I think they might have been on the road, too, which is pretty cool. Um, so shout out to the Bulls. And shout out to the Thunder and shout out to your Rookie of the Year bet. And I can't come with anything else. So, uh, all right. Bye-bye.